do with their DLC. They want to charge no, like it's, good prices for reused it's assets. Not, yeah, it's not a good return on investment the same way, like you said, like uh, reused assets would be. Yeah, just a shame. But I mean, I can you do get it to some degree. At least I respect their current model where like at least they put out a high quality yeah, single yeah, player game for sure. first and like we all get to enjoy that and then it's not like you milked. <laughs> you can be transitioning to a lot of multiplayer stuff and then just canning that stuff. I don't know if you all saw, but X Defiant has already been put on ice indefinitely. Them, yeah. <laughs> who's the, who's somebody else who loves to like kill games? If they don't do well in the first oh, six months, they also we we can talk about this in the actual episode. But like fucking the the Naughty Dog Last of Us Two multiplayer project that they kept pushing back because they're like, yeah, the scope kept getting bigger. We really want this to be something special because, like, factions in the first game, which is the multiplayer mode, was really cool. And they kept teasing that they were, like, working on basically factions, too. And it had gotten so big and, like, like complicated and, like, complex that it was going to be its own standalone project, which sounded amazing. They fucking... It's probably on ice now forever, too, because they laid off a bunch of people. So, I, like, what the fuck, Naughty Dog? Yeah. I still, but, like, literally, what the fuck? No, you all don't have resources. You're you're Sony's like fucking star child. Uh, it is probably all about. We're gonna say that a lot of companies now. Just we're at that like point with the. I want to make this another episode about the business side of games. But oh, we're just at that point with like companies are gonna do layoffs. <laughs> that's that's coming everywhere. The industry from a fan's perspective, not from a other perspective. I don't give a shit. I understand the reality of the situation, but I don't want to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> That is the problem with like, uh, I think a lot of entertainment is like it's separating the art and the business because now like specifically entertainment products like the bi- it's not just like the business has become big. Everybody has an understanding of that, but it feels like more and more people within gaming and all the inter- different entertainment industries really like to like give you the peek behind the curtain. And I'm also one of the people like I will talk about it, but I like. I, I don't need to see behind the curtain. <laughs> I just want to talk. I just want to enjoy the games, you know, the movies, the yeah. music, what have you, without like obsessing over how it's all done. I do appreciate. I think we should probably just like actually pull this into the episode, but I do. I think like I agree with you. I think gaming is probably the most like transparent of the industries in that regard. I don't, I couldn't say why for sure, but it definitely feels like a lot of game companies are more open about the production, you know, for better and for worse, I guess. Um, what, especially than like TV or movies or anything like that, for sure. Yeah, like I compared to other the other media industries, they they feel I don't know. Even though it's like I think still the most like profit gen, like the largest overall in like media industry is still video games in terms of like profit and everything. It still feels very grounded, which like I I I don't know why. Like I couldn't say exactly why that is, but. I think so, but I think also, I like, I like our hobby. When you ta- have developers talk about games, I think they feel more and more comfortable talking about the challenges of bringing it all together. Um, I mean, sure, sure as technology stuff. is, yeah, definitely. Is, I guess you know, expectations have gotten higher, and the the tools they have to produce things have gotten more advanced. Yeah, I just see it returning like as developers and people who are part of games become like achieve more and more rock star status like i think of like the from softwares and uh shoot make cyberpunk God. cd project red cd project poopy yeah they like i think as they achieve bigger and bigger rock star status um it's become more and more popular just to talk to about how they make the games and stuff like like i think of like how movie stars are interviewed endlessly about 
process and all that and the little stories behind the scenes and yeah yeah i guess that's fair i'd love to keep things in well the... and, and if we were to like tangentially related to the business side of things uh cd project red just fucking unionized if i recall correctly which is fucking awesome yeah it's great coming across many industries but especially because that's uh you know especially if you're talking about like celebrity or rock star status of things like i think i don't know every game puts in credits at the end of a game and uh no one fucking looks at them that's not true people look at them i look but, at them um still though i i feel like joe schmo art designer is not gonna you know necessarily get the appreciation as much as like hideo kojima gets right like you know he's not like joe schmo art designer isn't the name right and so uh i don't know seeing that group of the people who actually make the game as opposed to just like the name of the developer or the publisher or the studio sure. or the like, director or whatever. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, actually any project. Or, about, like, yeah. I was going to say like lighting probably makes or breaks tons of movies and TV, but you're like, you, nobody knows the fucking like rigging guy's name or anything. Yeah. So yeah. And, and the union ain't going to change that for shit. Like no one's no. still going to know those people's names, but at least they <laughs> are at least they are more of the studio now, right? If that makes yeah. sense, right? Like at least the name is hopefully more one to one with the group of people that are actually making these games than with like the directors or the shareholders or whatever. Yeah, cool. Let's uh, let's actually start. This. Oh yeah, this is Jetpack Swords. Um, hopefully my uh, Peter won't freeze again. We'll see. Um, this webcam's gonna be thrown in the trash can. And, uh, anyways, yeah, this is Jetpack Sword, super cool game podcast, uh, talked a little bit about fucking random shit already. Um, got two things that I want to mention, and then we can dive into, uh, back east on a video. Um, one is just, uh, Sony announced the PS5 Slim, which in and of itself isn't very exciting. I don't give a shit who a Slim console. What I find very interesting about it, though, is the, you can, they, they have a, you know, disc version, a discless version, a digital version, or whatever. And it's, it's only $50 cheaper. Instead of the hundred dollars cheaper that it is at launch, they raised the prices. Yeah, which is kind of. I mean, I think everybody knew this was probably going to happen, but it's still like kind of disappointing to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but the actual cool thing is, if you buy the digital version, you can then upgrade it and buy a disc drive separately and put it into the digital version if you are so inclined to do so. Which is actually pretty cool. Big fan. Yeah, I think it's. I like cool. modularity. Yeah, I mean, and it's like that's not quite the same approach they took with the uh, the solid state drives, but very similar in the effort and the just general idea of like you can put something in here. Um, it's different because I think you have to buy the exact disk drive from them as opposed yeah. to with the solid state drives. It's anything that meets the spec. But yeah, yeah. So PS5 Slim, uh, semi modular, super cool. Um, the other thing I want to mention is something I am super excited about. I saw this, uh, like the other day. Uh, so season five of Halo Infinite's about started. You all know, I, I pop in and play that. I don't know. Once every bit uh, enough to the point where I have not completed the current season's past, despite the next one about to start. So like not a ton, just like popping in whenever I need a do nothing game. It's, it's a great game for that. Um, Anyway, season five, there's, there's a very, very cool thing in there that I'm super excited for to see what people make um, and very relevant to, you know, Jetpack Swords, a, a 
podcast named after a Halo Reach custom game. Um, they, I'm assuming they're, I think they're going to have an article a little bit more in depth right now. And so I, I don't know a ton about it other than just like the single sentence they gave in their overview article, not the deep dive one, because the deep dive one doesn't exist yet. But quote, create your own PVE experiences with the new Forge AI toolkit and stay tuned. Oh, finally. I, yes, fucking Forge AI toolkit, right? Like they have like, they have good, they have AI for the first time. Well, not. For the first time, they've obviously had it in, you know, PvE campaign and shit, right? But, like, in PvP AI in the game for the first time, and then, yeah, bringing that to Forge, and, a, like, I'm assuming they're going to do something cool to the point that, like, lets you customize it. And so, like, I am so fucking excited to see what people do, what type of PvE experiences people make in Forge once this Same, comes out. What? What I've always wanted, and I never thought it would be that hard to do, like really, um, would be to make like custom firefight maps, um, like all the way back to, like to Reach. I thought I felt like Reach could have handled with all of its Forge tools, letting you with some constraints make like custom firefight maps. That's what I well, always. I wanted. think that is probably going to be one of the main things because actually the rest of that sentence is and stay tuned for the arrival of Firefight King of a Hill in matchmaking. Which yeah. also sounds fucking bomb. Yeah, right. Great. And so, super fucking excited about this in season five. Um, the game is ever since season three was in like a solid state. Season four was in a really good state, and like season five, they're just on a positive upward trend. And I'm really glad to see that continuing instead of it faltering back down to the terrible state it was at launch. Like. <laughs> it, Upward, like it's already, it's already high. Title? Like, no, it's, it's already high. And it's no. still got an upward trend. So that's that's what matters to me. Um, and the rest of the shit seems cool. I don't know. Did, that, did either of you play much of Halo Four? They're apparently bringing back a mode from that game. I played Extraction on Halo Four. Do you remember Extraction? I do not. Neither do I. Um, but they're apparently bringing back that couple new maps, uh, obviously a new customization and shit, and they're changing the way that they're doing some of their season stuff. I think I don't, I don't know. I don't really care about any of it because I don't play it enough other than Forge AI. It's all I fucking want. I'm so fucking excited. Well, that it's finally I, coming after they promised it prior to release. Did they promise it? I, I they were I, talking I, about Forge AI and like scripting and stuff before the game came out. And it's taken them this long to put it in the game. Because yeah. I, I remember really excited for the, all the normal game. I didn't remember about <laughs> bot scripting. Yeah. The only thing I remembered was specifically from before the release was them talking about how you could put down the um, ah uh, shit. What do they call it? The 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 nav mesh, the mesh map, the nav mesh, nav mesh. Sure, um, let's go yeah. with that. I mean, maybe um, I'm which that that is in the game for that's been in the game for a while. I might have read too far into it before release, but I'm pretty sure they were talking about it before the game came I out. Wouldn't That's surprised. what's surprising. It was but... probably one of those things that they were just like, we would like to do this. And so, yeah, it's really cool yeah. to see it actually happening. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so that's what I got. Um, The one thing that I thought was like big news that seems like it's finally going through is it seems like the uh, Microsoft acquisition oh, of Friday seems to go through Literally. on Friday this week. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy that it's finally happening. Um. That's going to shape things to come for the next like six months for sure. So, be interesting to see. <laughs> Maybe I. It was funny. I remember we, like we've been doing this obviously for over a year, 
And, you know, I remember I was like, man, I really don't want to buy Modern Warfare 2. And then I ended up buying Modern Warfare 2. And then I was disappointed by it. Yeah. And it looks like I might not have to buy Modern Warfare 3. (laughs) How they already, I didn't even see the news, the announcements going through. All I saw was, hey, you're still going to have to pay for Modern Warfare 3. (laughs) I saw that. I saw the. The Go current ahead, post is they said beginning of next year is when they would be looking at that. Yeah. Um, who knows if that'll change, right? Because like that was from someone at Activision and it's actually illegal for them to plan on the merger, right? Like you cannot preemptively like plan things assuming a merger is going to go through, which is kind of like interesting, but makes sense. Um, and so there's always the possibility that Microsoft just says, no, fuck you. Right, like Bethesda games were on there, you know, three days after the acquisition. So, like, who knows how long? I, I could, I could definitely there, see them like... waiting till the after the holidays, though. Yeah, exactly. Right, like they, they would just be throwing free money in the garbage because <laughs> we're coming into like the season when people buy. <laughs> True, but yeah, they're also uh, like I don't know. Would they expect to get holiday sales of consoles because console comes bundled with Game Pass, which comes bundled with? Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3? I don't know. But we're not going to talk about that because this ain't a business podcast. I'm just excited to see how disappointed people are in the game of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. The beta's going it's right now. not good. Yeah, it's been I don't know what to the um, like fan reaction has been to the beta, but I know it's ongoing like this week or like this week and this weekend, so I don't know what the impressions are. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot that. That is so exciting that it's going to finally fucking come to an end. Yeah, I'm just glad it'll be over. I mean, Game Pass will be better. <laughs> There's going to be this beautiful period where Game Pass is going to be awesome, and then they're going to raise the price again, and then it'll be fair. And Yeah, which I don't I don't remember if that... They announced the price hike already. I don't remember if that's gone through. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if... It would be sad since they just raised it, if they raised it again within like a year. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised. A million percent, yeah. <laughs> Maybe because it gets, it becomes more valuable. <laughs> it very the second they start putting all those titles on there, especially depending on what they do with PC and mobile. But we'll see. I would love to see this get expanded. What is that? Was their end goal? Oh, okay. So yeah, wait, I'm retarded. Don't ignore me. Someone else talk while I look something up real quick. So I'm curious. Okay, I found it. You don't have to talk anymore. Um, BlizzCon's November 3rd to 4th. I am positive that is all planned out. It's obviously all planned out. It would still be cool, though, if there was, like, a last-minute, like, Hey, guys, by the way, Diablo 4 is on Game Pass. Like, you know, in there. Like, have BlizzCon. Oh, I can see that. That's pretty damn Or at least, like, some Xbox presence at BlizzCon. Like, that would be cool. Even if it's tiny, even if it's small. That'd be pretty cool. Oh, it'll definitely get some kind of mention or like some kind of little goodie you'll get. Yeah. Uh, like I, what I could see is like, here's your free mount and wow. If you're a game pass ultimate member, <laughs> like that's yeah. what it's going to be. It's going to be fucking that. Netflix God. They love doing that recently. Speaking of wow, that made me realize something that had not been on my mind. They almost assuredly will announce the next expansion at BlizzCon since it's in November and we're a year out from when they should launch the next expansion. Um, which I, I let my wow sub, uh, drop because, uh, at the time we had, we, we had gotten ahead of the curve the second time. Um, and I just, 
everybody else had kind of stopped. Like it was, we had gone ahead of the curve and then literally like right as we did that, like Baldur's Gate 3 came out. And so like, then like a bunch of people like dropped off to go play. Uh, yeah. Starfield came out and like a bunch of people dropped off to go play that. And so like, it was already like struggling to like actually get 10 people. And so I was just like, oh, fuck it. I guess I'm out until at least the next patch. And then we'll, we'll just go from there. The thing is like, there's a good chance. I won't even realize when the patch comes out. And so I won't even know when to resub. Um, I mean, time to resub will be at the same time we at least I've been resubbing, which is somewhere in the two to one months until the next expansion when like they've got you hyped and you want to play again and then you like then you can actually experience everything that they've actually released and play the full game for like a month or two for that expansion and then start fresh with the next one. I was really enjoying the active playtime, like keeping up with it. So like I don't know. There's a chance I may do it when the- I'm surprised you kept going as long as you did. Definitely, I am too. It's because like the last couple, it's because there's an actual group, right? Like the trend with the last couple is yeah. the group fucking fell apart, which again literally happened this time. It's just it happened later this time than it did previous times. It's just all um, the so, nature of those guilds, right? It seems like their guild has been together long enough. They like exactly. have established yeah. those, whereas new guilds that we kept joining like always are very like quick to form and quick to bond and then quick to fall apart. <laughs> The real question is going to be, is there just other shit going on when the patch comes out, right? Like, at the moment, obviously, like, I'm trying to play through Cyberpunk. I'd like to play through Lies of P. Uh, Forza Motorsport just dropped yesterday, and I didn't get a chance to play it. Um, and, oh, there's one other big one. Oh, and I bought um, I bought a flight stick from somebody at work and tried to play Star Wars Squadron in VR with the flight stick. And my computer, my little 3050 Ti, was just like, oh, God, please, please, Papa, Papa, please, Papa, stop, Papa, stop the VR, please. VR is like, so Christ. tough on PCs. <laughs> I just like the thing that I just don't, I mean, I the answer is optimization. The answer is always optimization. But it's just like, I have played games on the Quest standalone, which is like a little piece of shit, like mobile CPU system on chip. And like, they look just as good as uh, Star Wars Squadrons did on lowest settings, but they run smooth. And like, I was on low settings and it still ran like fucking shit and it still looked like shit. And like, I'm just like, oh my God, 3050 Ti. Like, what are you doing? Like, come on. I don't know. I was supposed. And again, the answer is optimization. That's why. Well, Rogue Squadrons also is doing a lot more because there's like, it's a full interactive map where there's a lot of interactions all going on at the same time, which I feel like is harder than usually the VR games we play. Like you were in a very small box doing like one thing. There's one interaction going on. It is like you, the player with like one or maybe two different things in front of you. Whereas like Rogue Squadrons is trying to do a whole spaceship battle where it's not just like a static rendering of the rest of the ships. Like if they're actual... Like it's got a simulator. Well, it's just bigger and bolder, right? It's like that game you linked us. At. I was so shocked because it does also seem like Wrath Two, I think. Yeah, uh, I was like blown away. But I am actually, I I want to buy that game. Like that game looks really. Cool. It does seem worth it. It's one of the few because you said that there was Asgard's Wrath One, and like that was similarly good. I was like, there's no way. I've never heard of this game, and like that's what I also would look for in VR that I thought was missing. And uh, you were 100% right. People seem to really like that game. It seems fairly large. Um, I mean, the mechanics are not like, will not blow you away with their complexity, but it does seem, seems like a good 
literally, like, literally see, yeah, it. like the mortgage board of all VR mechanics. It's like, let's take every single mechanic, every single VR game is done. Let's slap it into one fucking game. Let's actually put a story around it. Let's like actually optimize the shit out of it. So like it runs smooth. It looks nice. Um, and like in particular, like it looks really nice on Quest 3. And like, but, but I'm not going to blow 500 bucks to buy a Quest 3. And so like I just have to like play it on our two um and just accept that it looks like duty but the thing about it was i literally think it would look better playing it on the quest 2 natively than playing it on my computer with the headset which is insane to me like i i just like that's the thing i just don't understand and maybe that's not true maybe i'm just wrong but i don't know i was surprised at how duty wishes star wars squadrons ran in vr um it would be interesting to see if you could try both you probably can't the way you buy it but interesting to try yeah i don't i don't know if oculus does uh what microsoft calls play anywhere they should i I feel like that'd be reasonable for them to do i I don't know honestly uh the flight suit itself was cool um i think i know what happened of why i got this so cheap is the person was like oh you know my boyfriend bought it and like it didn't work on his xbox or something and like susan and i were just kind of confused really it's kind of like it's kind of weird um, and I was like, maybe he's got like a 360 and like, but you, you pointed out by, he's like, that seems highly fucking unlikely. And so my suspicion is that it works on his Xbox. It's just, it didn't work on the game he wanted to play on his Xbox because apparently the number of games on console that support flight sticks are fucking near zero. I think it is single course. <laughs> like, I mean, they don't fit everywhere, I but it's so high have than it was. Well, so like here's here's the thing that like caught me I don't know by surprise I guess is I the first thing I wanted to do is play Everspace Two on my console with the flight stick, and I was like this should work like I know Everspace Two on PC has flight stick support the console version doesn't right like that's the thing that like surprises me like I don't understand why the fuck it doesn't have it if the PC version does. Um, and so that's, and that's where I looked up like games, like console games, period that have flight stick support. And it was like, holy shit, this is like single digit numbers. Like it was crazy low. So, uh, but anyways, what was this video you sent today, Packy? Um, so that was funny. I was, James and I were chatting or James really reached out about a project that we, he wanted me to look at for a tabletop game called Lancer, a startup um, that just had a really interesting lore and world building. And looking a little bit into that kind of put Warhammer, because I do think they're not super similar. Um, it's really just any advanced warfare <laughs> world lore. I think it all all goes back to Warhammer 40k. Um, and I think this video randomly showed up in my YouTube recommended. And I just watched it because I've been looking for more action stuff. And it's really, really good. And it's really funny to watch this very, like, very narrow, narrow incident within the Warhammer 40k universe. Um, video, by the way, is called... Uh, it's a called... Stardies. Stardies, yeah. I'd be happy to talk about it also. I've been a fan yeah. for years. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool to get to see, because I know those fan projects... T- it's a fan project video. It's in total about 13 minutes long. Look it up on YouTube. It's fantastic. Um, violent, if you're oh, not like that. Put a link in a big show description. Uh, 
I was very happy because it came out in five parts, and I'm sure it took like months and months between each part, and I would have been yeah. Dying. There was a lot of time between each one. I remember watching them as they came out because like the first couple were really short, and then I think the later ones were like longer because he had more time with it. Um, but yeah, like for reference, Packy and Greg, as far as like timing, the news that the project became official and had been acquired by like games workshop, who is like the, the Warhammer creators and everything. They own the license and everything. Um, that video on the original Stardis channel that says that it's official, which then pulled all of the videos off of his channel because they were no longer just like his to publish. That was two years ago when they announced that a was technically taken down because it was made official two years ago <laughs> and it was being made before that. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. sure they're having him work on because that also in watching that, I think they have their <laughs> of the million people with their own streaming service. Because I know that's what they mentioned in the video that I watched as successful as they were with that. They put his version onto their website behind their paywall. Exactly. Which you can watch it. Oh, so God. watch it for free on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, thankfully. But they did do like other I think it's Pariah Nexus is the name of like the most recent series they've done because I've got I think it's the new one. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm sure seen that one. they're doing stuff with that. Um, there's zero shot. I I pay for their service to go watch it. No, but um, it does look like very very good. And again, it's just Shop like is very greedy. It's such a narrow narrow piece. Um, of like that, just unbelievable. Because I looked up what prompted the question. Because usually I just Google it, right? Like you see a cool video, it's like oh the world's cool. Um, I'll just look it up. And like 40k, I looked up a like a couple novels about the different factions yeah i was like no oh, there's a lot to dive into maybe there's a there's a lot i look up the quote short summary versions and everyone is like it's either again another massive massive article or a uh a youtube video and like the shortest one you can find is like 20 minutes long yeah it's like all right 40 gets around uh, for forever <laughs> exactly it's just I and mean, fantasy's been around even longer because 40k is based on warhammer fantasy <laughs> That's what I was really surprised to learn is I thought 40k came first and then fantasy was an offshoot. Oh, no, fantasy came first because it's based on Tolkien, basically, just like every other modern fantasy thing. <laughs> it's just advanced Tolkien stuff. <laughs> the dwarves use the exact same like visual style. The orcs are just like more orky than the orcs in Tolkien's fantasy and the elves are just the elves and the humans are just the humans like it's i mean war fantasy definitely has its own identity but it's just like i'd say almost every single bit of modern fantasy if not all of it is heavily heavily based on the tropes and stereotypes established by tolkien which tolkien's lord of the rings for any listeners that don't know somehow who tolkien is that would actually be insane <laughs> if you didn't know who Tolkien was. I mean, honestly, I don't think it's that insane because I think the proper is so associated with the the license and franchise of Lord of the Rings and not with the man who created it, who, as a person who loves world building, Tolkien is, he's everything. I mean, he is the prototypical world builder. You go further back than him and you're just looking at humans making up actual mythology like on the spot, so... I was talking to someone about this. I only think it's crazy not to know Tolkien because I have not. I've kind of watched Lord of the Rings. They've been on kind of the background while I've been in the room. And See, I've never you're read... already somebody who's like, I've kind of seen it. 
Yeah, but like, but I still know the guy, like the original writer's name, just because he's so incredibly famous. And again, if you are around fantasy, he always comes up. Can we, can we, can we, can we, can we address this, Packy? You haven't seen Lord of the Rings. Uh, I cannot have this conversation nine hundredth time. <laughs> no, we, we need to have it for the nine hundredth and one time. Apparently, um, I have not really sat down. What? I have watched them. Like I have been in the room, but the problem is that <laughs> it was just not something that. I encountered growing up, um, like there's no, there's just no setting where I watched them. Like my folks were not fans. I never was like with anybody where it just didn't come up to show me 12 hours worth of movie, uh, or really at the time about, I think it's really 12 hours if you watch the extended editions. Okay. That would be I, I the just... problem. When I got to college, my roommate had the extended editions and that's all he had. And he refused to watch it any other way. Of course. Super uh... long. <laughs> And like it's very long, and it's in a very social setting. Like it was also just the setting I watched him in. There was a bunch of people, um, and so and after that, he's always like razzed me about watching him again. And now it's just one of those dumb lines in the sand that I think everybody. Uh, it reminds me actually, Greg, of we talk about cheese its randomly of like things that I have tried like once or twice and then dislike, and then Wait. from then on, like I've just dug my heels in the sand. I'm like they're trash. Like I will never ever try this. And like, uh, now I'm just committed. Our friend group does enjoy the. I tried something one time. I didn't like it. It's it's ruined forever. It's awful. It's the worst thing on the planet. Like, yeah. At this point, it's just more of a joke. Um, also, I think. Well, I think Lord of the Rings would be very, very good. I had this discussion with someone, and it's it's really funny because it kept coming back to the fact that I've never read or really watched Lord of the Rings. Um, I think Tolkien would struggle to succeed today with his world building style because he's so verbose. Yeah, it's it's very biblical in how he yeah. does things. Because like the Silmarillion, which is literally like the Tolkien version of the Bible, is just the Bible, <laughs> just cooler. <laughs> yeah, it's he just puts so much effort into making it realistic. Um, I mean, it's it's great. I love it. I I wish to every god that's ever existed that I could world build to the same commitment and level that Tolkien can. I have so many projects, and they are so like quarter assed compared to Tolkien, which obviously he had his whole life to work on it. He was a lot of different things in his life. Like he, he literally made, all he did. He made the language like Cinderin, which I think is like, I think it's what it's called for like the Elvish language. He made that first. And then he was like, I need something to populate to use this language in. And then he made the stories and the world and everything, which is, I wish I, it's not healthy to compare yourself to people, but like I, I adore world building, and I wish I could, wish I could do that. Like, I struggle so much with even just like my small scale projects, and yeah, I, I Tolkien's crazy. Tolkien was a full time writer like his whole whole life, right? Um, he did a lot of different things. Like, I want to say he served in the military for a while. He was like a yeah. linguist for a while, which is why he made up like the. Elvish languages because he just went wanted to do something cool on the side. He was very into mythology um, and like history. Obviously, pulled a lot of that you know into his stuff that he did, just like everyone does. Um, I mean, he he was. I think he lived a very interesting life. Um, so, very very interesting figure who has had a, I would say a, I don't want to say he's understated, but I feel like for the general population of like just humans and western culture has had a very understated effect on a lot of things because like i said any 
any fantasy trope that exists now is not rooted in anything but Tolkien. Like, if you go back and look at, like, elven stereotypes and tropes, it's not rooted in, like, the elves that existed from, like, Norse and Germanic mythology. It is rooted in Tolkien. The fact that they, like, like the forests and they're archers and good and everything, that's Tolkien. That they're long-lived and, like, beautiful and pale of skin and all that. It's just Tolkien. It's literally all Tolkien, so... Yeah, I'd be interested to see... Literally, the dark lord trope. Like, literally, just the dark, broody, like, spikes and black armor trope is (laughs) Tolkien and then Peter Jackson's specific version of, like, Sauron also. Like, it's, it's all his works. Dragons, I'm pretty sure, liking gold and, like, the horde concept, I think, is a Tolkien idea and, like, concept. That's one of those things I wouldn't be surprised if it existed before. I'm sure, but, like... There's the difference between it just kind of being a part of some folklore and being part of the core dragon concept of, like, Western folklore, which has been obviously continued on through stuff like Dungeons and & Dragons and stuff. But, like, it's all just Tolkien. It's it's all Tolkien. I think the... I don't know. I definitely think specifically the dynamic between, like, having humans, elves, orcs, and dwarves, and, like, generally how those races are is definitely rooted in Tolkien. I think some of the other themes he also took from prior writers but i do do think he's the one of like at least lord of the rings specifically you talk to a lot of fantasy writers it's like what did you what were you aspiring for and all of them are like the lord of the rings (laughs) yeah i mean i don't know what else it would be unless they're doing like you could look at like weird fiction um which is like drawn from stuff like lovecraft and like edgar Allan poe and stuff more but i I don't know. Also, just modern I, fiction, like they're probably just pointing to writers who wrote in the, you know, '90s and '80s and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Recent. I just, like I, like I said, I'm a big world builder person, and I think for Western culture, there's nobody more significant than Tolkien. And like I, I have not read the books. I've read The Hobbit, and I keep meaning to read the books. I have like special copies of them, and I've seen the movies. And for me, the big introduction was obviously the movies. Uh, I remember when my mom and stepdad first started dating like being at my stepdad's then apartment and they were watching lord of the rings like in the living room while me and his kids who would soon to be my stepbrothers at the time you know like we were just playing and like they were literally watching the movies in the living room and like we would come in and like watch bits of it and then go back and like play whatever it's like we were seven and nine i think when they first started dating um and like growing up like on the gamecube and stuff we played the surprisingly very very good lord of the ring movie games which like that was back when every single movie had a movie game that came out with it which like i'm pretty sure the kids that are the age of like my staff like 16 to 18 like they don't even know that era of gaming like that's not even something they're familiar with where every single movie got a movie game of some kind tied into it and they were 95 percent of the time trash because games take longer to make than movies but the um, the Lord of the Rings movie games were actually, like, really, really good. Like, very fun action RPG, like, just action games. And then um, there was the Battle for Middle Earth games, which were RTSs in the Lord of the Rings, like, canon um, that were really good. They were based on the Command & Conquer 3 game engine, so they came out around that time and are super, super good. I've even played them, like, Within the last two years, I it, it's a lot of work to get them to run now, but I was able to do it, and they hold up great, super fun. 
Um, and then obviously in like the modern current era, we've got the Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War, which are technically Lord of the Rings, but they are really just Lord of the Rings fan fiction. But I love them. They are so cool. Such fantastic, like wonderful, super cool versions of like that history and world, I think. Probably Lord of the Rings, like Tolkien purist hates them, which I know they do. Um, but, you know, whatever. And then obviously Gollum just came out and is a dumpster fire of a game and development cycle that a game that literally nobody ever uh, uh but it exists really, apparently they fucking like you know abuse the shit out of the developers too if i yeah. recall correctly it's just like, like that is just a dumpster great. fire all around something just came out about that oh is the yeah, the, the apology yeah, the apology <laughs> yeah um this is a sad end that like yeah you're saying just a weirdly good string of games when other major IPs had tried similar like quick hit you know hey we'll just hand it out you know hand our IP, IP to whoever make a movie game make like a companion piece to this and usually they're pretty yeah. middle of the road they're and, not like, all like, Lord of the Rings is fire <laughs> yeah like there were definitely some bad ones in there but like they were that what the license got thrown around a lot just like the 40k and every other license and yeah they were and they were good. A lot of them were surprisingly good games. It's just crazy across the, you're saying the movie games, because I've also played some of the, like one of those that I can remember that was very good, like the four player one. I think it was like mission based. Yeah, um, it was, it was um, there was to the two towers and there was Return of the King and they were both fantastic. <laughs> oh, they were both fire. So yeah, good. Fucking bomb. And like that was his own kind of game. And then they also <laughs> struck gold with Middle of Earth. Like those were, yeah, extremely popular for the time. Um, and then again with the uh, Shadow of War games. Yeah, which again, uh, Shadow of War and fucking hate, but I love them. They're great. They're so cool. <laughs> I was definitely surprised they were able to because of the concepts that it went through as like such a pure hack and slash action RPG. Like it really doesn't fit the tone otherwise of, of that no, series, but it's just such but a good game. I really, really like it. Like, I, I understand that they are Lord of the Rings fan fiction, but they are such a cool version of that world, in my opinion. So fucking cool. I love Shadow of War. I played that game all the way through twice. Yeah, I still go back and play Shadow of Mordor occasionally, just because it's such a, like, fun power fantasy game to play. Especially, like, at the I end of the game. Nearly awaiting number three. <laughs> right, like... I mean, yeah. Oh, there's no just... way. Are they announced it? No, no but I mean... I think the next thing they're working on is the Wonder Woman game. So that's going to oh, use yeah. the Nemesis system, which like, at least we're finally getting a superhero game that uses a system that should be used for superhero games. God, I hope it's good. Because yeah, I, I mean, the Shadow good. of War series has to, I mean, they ended the story in a very, very definitive way. Can't imagine they could anywhere else. Italian came back as a, as a ring wraith. I mean, anything's possible. <laughs> No, <laughs> I, don't, I can see them making a new story and like you know taking the same concept. I mean, yeah. Well, also they could do they could do after or just somewhere else in the universe. And yeah, the they just right? like, they could, like, just they could do after else. the elves go to wherever the fuck the elves fuck off to, right? Like it's fan fiction. It does it, anything's possible. Yeah, just I would love to see it done with. It just hit a nice endpoint, right? I don't want to see them try and force it. Well, like don't worry. Like a, you're getting Wonder Woman, so I do. I was gonna say I would love to see it with a new IP. Um, you say Wonder Woman. <laughs> I'm not super enthused about that. No, but... I think it would be really cool if it was me personally. I think we talked about this when we talked about like our dream games. I think I mentioned it, but to be able to have a 
City of Heroes style game or like a DC Universe online game where you get to make your own hero, choose the costume, the pieces, your powers and everything. And then for it to have the nemesis system to like develop your your supervillains, I think would be such a incredibly cool game. Yeah. Um, I'd love to talk more about Warhammer 40k and also Lancer. I'm trying to find what is the new game it's coming out pretty soon that is you are one of the marines space marine 2 space marine 2 yeah <laughs> that looks <laughs> made so... by the world war z devs yeah because it really it takes advantage of the world war z yeah to make the tyranids realist realistic yeah which i was so happy for because it, it didn't seem to land with world war z like they never really seemed to find which well, i actually really enjoyed that game it's a really fun yeah game. i i really enjoyed it's really that fun game. they did a good job for for a bastardized version of that property, which yeah, I can yeah. get into my hate of that, that's fine. Um, but the game's actually really good. It is crazy what they did with that and movie. I they took it even further with the game. Well, I mean, specifically, it's based on a book, and the book is extremely good, and the movie t- yeah. shares nothing, almost nothing, with the book. Um, I would love a HBO limited series anthology adaptation of the book it would be perfect but i don't think we're ever going to get that i think it fits really well it's kind of like warhammer where i i like I'm just thinking about warhammer recently because i've seen it they, i'll talk about it i would love to talk about 40k to people who <laughs> don't know like about 40k are, i think there's like and especially when diving into some lore i think uh world war z it's such uh, it's such a high level story about what's going on at like a national level that when you a tv series is necessarily about characters and like characters, you know, their stories are always more narrow and focused unless you are willing to overinflate the importance of one person, which they almost always do to fit stories like that. That's so why I, I think I think an anthology HBO limited series would be perfect because like the stories are connected in the sense that it's all one apocalypse, but they could literally just take the book and adapt it straight to screen and it would it'd be it'd be good. Yeah, I would just love to see him do it like solid actors. Style. Yeah, exactly. That's like it. It would be great. I've just never seen anybody really do that with fiction. I mean, I'm also just a sucker for documentaries and also like fiction world building. I would just love to see those two concepts mashed together about an yeah. that I care about. <laughs> for sure. Definitely agree. Warhammer is actually another great one. Of, I feel like there is a market for people who like World War documentaries and also like Warhammer 40K. And you could just take those two concepts and make something. God, it would be wild. Because that, um, that's got to be millions of people in crossover. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 40K is, I mean, like, it's it's massive. It's like the tabletop game. Fantasy and 40K. That's why my freaking Games Workshop is so greedy because they print out these little plastic figures that upcharge the hell out of them and then also put out the rule books constantly. So that way, like, I think the biggest thing they did recently was <laughs> they, they, like, made it so you couldn't reuse old models to fit the current codex like the current rule book for the different factions so they were like oops you gotta buy new models sorry guys what? we didn't we we you know you, you just gotta yeah gotta well, how do they on have they enforced that like do they just, i don't know i don't i games fit? workshop games workshop fucking sucks <laughs> i love the properties that they contain but they fucking suck it's crazy for people who make figures and stuff like that is that that is the most expensive hobby? I swear to God. Oh God, it is. Jacob and I talk with. So we both we both absolutely love 40k and like always have. Um, and 
we always talk about like buying a couple pieces just to eat, like not even like like Jacob talks about playing with it more but I would just like to have like a couple pieces just to have as like you know like shelf dressing or like for my desk or something just yeah. a cool little like squad just to have because like I said I love 40k and those sets are still I mean they're expensive that's <laughs> just or like some of the bigger like single entity like models where instead of it being like a squad it's like a bigger like just single piece um like those are like super expensive but that would be like a really cool like just desk piece or like a shelf piece or something to get like one of the big tyranid monsters or like one of the dreadnoughts from 40k or something would be super cool yeah i was looking at getting one of the another one that's similarly egregious is uh like model building i re- really wanted to as both a hobby and as also a like a fun little desk piece i was like oh, yeah you know i'll go get my my favorite gun club from all this series yep. exactly exactly <laughs> i literally looked into it like, <laughs> oh but then i need something you know for this other room and then you know and the, but, but then this guy's all alone <laughs> and then, and then he just needs on. a buddy and then and then it's like but then there's like there's a new version of his buddy and like oh but, but like what if i want him to look a little different then i gotta like paint him and then and then i gotta buy the paints and then That's once I got, worried. but now I got all these paints, and then the paints are gonna dry out, and so I don't want the paints to dry out, so I gotta buy unpainted models, and then you, you know, it's just. <laughs> it's I, mean, I was willing to go through the hassle and like do all the different little things. The problem is, I it, the starter model for what I wanted to get, like what it would have been the centerpiece, uh, was four hundred dollars. I was like, oh, oh God, what? God, damn, oh. Jesus! Oh, to get the specific Gundams? Are you kidding me? They're all because they're so. No, I know, but God, it's just absurd. So, I mean, admittedly, it would have been, like, a sizable thing, but again, I didn't want, like, a little very, very small one. And again, if you yeah. want a very specific model, which is all, the entire idea was around, like, I really like this one model, so I just I want it. Um, yeah. I, I don't think it helps that, of course, all those are made internationally, whereas I bet Warhammer stuff is made here. Uh, I think so. I think Games Workshop is originally a British company. English, whatever. Yeah, because they default to British English as their website defaults. So. Oh, look at all of these. Look at all these things. These are all so cool. <laughs> Start to tempt yourself. Although the, um, like I, I mentioned to Packy off the air that like I'm not caught up with the, because for a long time they weren't like advancing the 40K story. Like they would let like individual authors do it on their own. But like as a, as a license-wide thing, they weren't really advancing the story, uh, but they relatively recent have ex- like advanced to the actual like plot. And I don't love the direction they've taken it in for like everything, but God, some of these models are so sick. They also make Lord of the Rings models, and God, this like Witch King of Angmar model is awesome. <laughs> I love the Witch King of Angmar. <laughs> He's so cool. Um, yeah, do we? Do we want to talk about 40k? Or that can be I, off the air? Or I can talk about Lancer. I love Lancer. Approaching an hour. Yeah. yeah. I just want a longer segment to do. I would do a whole episode about it, or yeah, we'll just talk about it. Well, I want to talk about Lancer real quick because it's not Please. the most well-known thing. Like, 40k is, like, very well-known, and like at least in nerd circles. Lancer is so fucking small. Um, Lancer is a tabletop role-playing game that has... It's just like table. It's just pen and paper, like currently, and it is a very, very cool Titanfall esque. Um, like if Respawn made another game, I would want them to make a Lancer game because Titanfall is already such a good like baseline for what Lancer is like. But it's like pilots and mechs, just like Titanfall, and it takes place like I think in the three thousands. Like humanity has left Earth and like 
flourish down into the galaxy and there's a lot of politics and stuff, but it's just very, very cool in terms of like the art style that they go for with it. Um, and the like way they describe the different mechs that you can get. And it's very, very free form. Um, it's a very, very open ended tabletop game. Cause like they always, they always say that like you can pick the individual patterns for the mechs. And so you can like look at the art for each one. that's like the default, but like if you're just doing tabletop, obviously it's like mostly imagination based. And so you could, you know, ultimately do whatever you wanted with each one. But, like, just the world building they have for, like, all the individual mech patterns and, like, weapons and factions and the companies that, like, the corporations that manufacture the mechs and everything are all very cool. Um, I actually just pre-ordered a physical, because they don't even, like, do physical, like, releases of the rule book really. And, like, I'm never going to play the actual, like, tabletop probably ever. Jacob has before, but I'm, I'm probably never going to do it. But they do every once in a while a like physical copy of the rule book because otherwise you just download it as like a PDF. Um, but I just ordered the other day the like second edition of the rule book. I think it comes out in like June. Um, but I'm excited just to have that, just to have a physical copy with all the art and everything. But it's I just recommend everybody to look into it. And then the reason I brought it up to Packy also is because we were talking about Advanced Wars, which is you know a classic Game Boy like turn based strategy game series. Uh, there's an individual who did a Kickstarter last year, earlier this year, I can't remember, for her own version um, to basically, like, Lancer, like, a lot of the stuff is open source, and so, like, as a creator, you can take it and basically do whatever you want with the license, um, and she's making a Advanced Wars-style turn-based pixel art strategy game using the Lancer license, um, and she met her goals like well over her goals and it's coming, I think like late next year because it's the current timeline. Cause it's only like two people making it, but it looks very cool and there's not any other Lancer games at all. So they're kind of like, I guess leading the charge on making an actual interactive game of this extremely cool property. So I recommend everybody go look it up. If you like mechs, if you like Titanfall, especially cause it's very Titanfall-esque. That's very cool. Also just that. I mean, just to make sure I understood, you said they were basically, like, giving away the license for free, or... Yeah, I'm pretty sure Lancer, like, like, I they obviously have the rule book, which, like, you have to pay, but I'm pretty sure you can also get, like, the, like, the PDF, like, open source, too, um, and then for, like, the physical ones, obviously, you have to pay, because they, they do very limited printings, but I'm pretty sure Lancer itself is, like, it's owned and, like, is a licensed thing, but I think, like, you can just kind of do whatever with it if you want to. Like, they're they're not overly protective with the license like other companies are like i said it's not very big like lancer's not a big thing like jacob i don't even remember how jacob and i stumbled i think jacob told me about it and i don't know he probably stumbled across it on one of the discords that he hangs out in every once in a while i mean i would guess if you tried to sell something under lancer's name they'd probably be unhappy and would you know try to curb that but it seems very similar to how dnd and warhammer started right where it was just they kind of set up the world and a bunch of smaller people like wrote about it or like made little projects about it. And they at first didn't care. It just kind of added to the fun for everybody. And then they got big enough where they wanted to monetize all that. And that's when they shut it all down. So I think Lancer is just in that early stage of like, Hey, we have this cool idea. Share it however you want. Yeah. So I'll explain because the, the um, woman that's like making, it's called Lancer tactics is the like advanced war style game. It's literally like in their, her first like paragraph on her Kickstarter is it's an indie um, tactical or tabletop RPG. Lancer is 
made by two guys that was funded on Kickstarter itself in 2019. So it's also very recent. Um, and it specifically, it says it has a healthy ecosystem of fan-created content thanks to its open third-party license, um, which includes being made into a game, which is why Olive, who is the developer for the, one of the two developers for the Lancer Tactics game, is able to do her own Kickstarter to develop this game is because Lancer is like... Yeah. Very third party. I, I mean, I, I looked it up. It's it's very straightforward. It's you may use the mechanics of Core Lancer, Lancer Battle Group, or any Lancer product as the base for your system setting or game. Uh, you cannot use their art unless you get express permission. Uh, but yeah. you can use locations, concepts, characters, events, factions, and equipment in your work. Um, you just have to include uh, this is not an official Lancer product. It is a third party work and it is not affiliated with Massive Press. Yeah, which uh, Massive Press is the and, original. Yeah, and, yeah. Say Lancer is copyright Massive Press, but so like, yeah, that is very permissive. Yeah, and I, I like I said, it's from like everything I've seen of like the guys who made it and like the actual property itself. They are super open to a lot of stuff. They're like the big thing, and like Olive mentions it in her thing on her Lancer Tactics page is like they're super trans friendly and just a very inclusive community and like all these different things. They're because like. The setting, I guess, that takes place, like, in the 3000s. So, like, just, like, cyberpunk settings, like, humanity can be, like, whatever you want it to be. Like, if you want to be a disconnected, disjointed group of limbs and you're still, like, a coherent being inside your mech despite that, great. If you want to be, like, a self-constructed AI that pilots things, you can do it. If you want to be, you know, trans or whatever across the entire spectrum as long as like you are still human quote unquote like you can do whatever and the same that's how they like run the actual tabletop too is like i said it's very very open-ended and how you want like your mech pattern and your pilot and stuff to be like it's very much a we have like these these examples you can use but like lancer's all about being just like something cool in this setting that's the whole point is just make something cool with our setting so I really, really like their vibe and just the way the community and like everything about it's like super cool, I think. And it, again, it helps that like the actual world building itself is fucking kick ass. So yeah, I rep Lancer every chance I get, even though I never plan on playing the tabletop. I just think it's any like it's one of my favorite world building like things out there in the world. No, that's really cool. And actually, thanks for mentioning it. I have a friend who might be very interested in this. So, like I said, if you like Titanfall, they like they they do some awesome. some tabletopy stuff. And I don't know if they played Titanfall, but they actually did play. Um, oh my god, they played Armor Core. Um, they were playing that recently. So I don't know. Maybe they maybe they take a kick out of this. I actually wonder when did a uh, Titanfall come out? First one. Like 2014? Yeah, I would yeah. say Lancer, having, coming out in 2019, I would say Lancer is, like, heavily inspired by Titanfall. All right. Um, and on that note, obviously, everybody go play Titanfall if you haven't already. It's 10 out of 10. Yeah. Um, Titanfall 2 campaign, Titanfall. if you just want to do the thing. Like, that's Titanfall 2 campaign. is like, on the money, you just wait for it to be, like, four dollars on sale it's, it's on sale all the time yes, i've seen this recommendation so, so many like, times it's becoming a meme yeah it's like time fall i don't i don't think jetpack swords done it jetpack swords officially endorses titanfall 2 we'll take we'll yeah. take like i support respawn right. and their star wars games but please give us a titanfall 3 please i need it 
but Apex Legends, James. No, shut up. And I know, I know. It's not. I did, I don't. I tried it, and I was like, I because you don't love Titanfall, and I was like enjoying, you know, just battle royales at the time in general. And and I just did thing Aki and I were talking about, just like Rockstar, they make a cool thing, it gets spun off, and then you're never going to see the thing you like ever again. Never going to get a Titanfall 3 because of Apex, so. Womp womp. I'm surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they do, like, Apex Titan Edition. I don't want that. I don't want that. I, I know. I don't, I don't want that either. I'm going to sit so that like, back. You step you one step closer. <laughs> I'm going to call the waiter over and say, I didn't ask for this. Take it back. I didn't even ask for Apex. <laughs> Someone did, though. Some people did. Someone. Some All fucking right. focus group. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Jetpack Swords, your book gaming podcast. And, uh, yeah. Deuces. Nice to. Now I'm mad.